This week, we're joined by George Sell, Editor-in-Chief, International Hospitality Media, to look at the year ahead, how many brands Ackle can launch in a week, and why the best hotel experiences aren't always about rainfall showers and butter rubs matched to your DNA. Hello, and welcome to another episode of New Tricks, the podcast from New Dog PR. That is us, me, Emily, and Catherine. Hello, Catherine. Hello, Emily. How are you? Oh, delightful. It's Wednesday. Smashing out the podcast this week. Mm. It's joyful. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. How how finds you? I find myself very well. But on, uh, following on from last week's gummy festival, I've tried to distribute said high-strength American gummies amongst my friends, and they're all suspicious. So something for the Kardashians to bear in mind if they market to the UK, I think. <laughs> the suspicion. What's wrong with them? Why are you getting wrong with them? Why are you getting rid of them? Well, they make me hazy. Well, there's only one way to find out. You would think. Also, also, you've sacrificed yourself as the guinea pig here, and you appear to be still on top performance. They're FDA approved. Nothing's wrong with the FDA. The Americans have very rigorous standards, I'm sure. They're not all chlorine washed. Stay tuned to find out. Yes. Be prepared to read about this in the in the mail, possibly on GB News. I can't wait. Right. Joining us, joining us this week to to impart his knowledge of all things American high strength medication uh, and other stuff, possibly. Um Thank you very much to George Sell, who is the Editor-in-Chief at International Hospitality Media. George, welcome to New Tricks. How are you? Thank you. Uh, I'm very well, thanks. Although my knowledge of high-strength American meds is limited, to say the least. Although I do know that um, Tylenol and the like are far superior to any painkillers you can get here. That's that's about all I can contribute on that subject. I think that's all all you need to know. (laughs) Exactly. And this is not rehearsed in any way. they able to, I got quite a lot of Tylenol PM for various individuals, um, and uh, and you can just buy it in newsagents. Along with your ammunition, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I don't entirely sure what the point of pharmacies is. See, it's the American dream. It's exactly, exactly. I can't wait for us to do our trade deal with them. Um, George, thanks very much for joining us. And the reason we asked you to join us is not only are you a delightful individual, but also, uh, as well as, um, we um, we are in the PR game. It will be a no surprise to anyone listening. Uh, and most thrilled we are, too, to be in the PR game. Yes. Um, so we've yeah. two, years. We might- two years. Two years, yes. Happy New Dog two years to us. And thanks, many thanks. And thanks to everybody, heartfelt thanks to everybody who has supported us on our journey so far. Um, So the reason we thought it might be worth having a natter um, was because you come at this from, obviously, from a a content platform, events, um, editorial, and we thought it might be quite interesting to have a little chatter about that, uh, as well as the sector in general. And by sector, perhaps you you could tell us a little bit about what sectors you cover. Yeah, well, we we started... um with in the boutique and lifestyle hotel sector with boutique hotel news um and then we launched service department news for that sector because there was a distinct lack of um, specialist coverage of that sector back in 2013 when we launched that um the next one was short-term rentals which was kind of launched in response to the huge growth in airbnb and so on uh, and our most recent launch which uh, was in may last year was urban living news and that's, I guess you could call that focusing on the broader living sector. So co-living, built to rent, student accommodation, later living and that kind of stuff. And we kind of ended up there because there's an increasing, 
hospitality focus across all those sectors. You know, people don't just want a roof over their head when they're renting a, a, a built-to-rent apartment in a city. They want events. They want amenities. Um, and we were seeing people actually from the hospitality space migrating across to to those providers to to help with that. So that was the kind of um, that was when we had a little eureka moment and, and decided to to launch that website. And also because we were seeing um, news stories w- were coming out, which and we weren't quite sure where they fitted within our existing outlets. You know, there was so much convergence and blurring of the lines going on with, between various asset classes. So that's how that came about, really. Marvellous. And as we see this morning, as we're enjoying this morning, not only are you leading uh, leading the sector, but Accor, as as we are as we are keen observers of, perhaps some of us more than others, um, are um, 12, have launched um, their innovative hospitality solution and support for mixed-use developments in the form of Accor One Living, an industry-first, if you may, platform dedicated to the integration of innovative hospitality solutions into mixed-use developments. So there we go. If Accor are doing it, therefore, you're entirely validated in your biz- entire business model. Well done. Indeed, indeed. and. Um- they're not done yet for the week either. I think there's more to come from them, but we'll move on to that in a bit. What do you know? How can we talk to you to find this out? Um, well, when you asked me my thoughts on the year ahead of the hotel industry, actually, oh. well, I won't reveal it all. Lo- I'll reveal something. Lovely. Oh, we love an is this, is, this about, is this about their big split? Because that's my obsessive news story of the year so far. No. Well, there you go. If that's not motivation for everyone to stay tuned, Catherine, why are you obsessed by the split? What's I'm it? Why is it interesting? Because I'm intrigued to see what it will mean for Apple by the end of the year. Whether because when you split a company in half and make it more simple for people to understand, and you put your CFO in charge of the economy bit, which is flattering for him, then um, it usually means that that you're going to sell off some of it. And we've had agitating shareholders at Apple before suggesting this. Um, and uh, and if you're going to sell off a bit of it, that's very exciting for the sector to find out which bit's going to be sold off. Will Accor just be luxury at the end of it? Will they just be economy at the end of it? Who will pick it up? What does it mean? All those things are gripping, gripping to me because Accor's been reasonably quiet. Uh, Catherine mentioned Accor and leisure and luxury, and we wondered what your thoughts were on the particular segments within the sector, um, whether it may well be as is it's currently leaning towards luxury just forevermore all the time, um, leisure's increasingly growing uh, into spaces like the service department, which has traditionally been business sector. What are your Everyone thoughts? Everyone seems like rich as fuck. So and it's <laughs> well, no problems finding guests. <laughs> it's, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, I think it is largely going to be more of the same. I think the luxury sector is not going to slow down significantly. And then at the other end of the market, the economy sector um, seems to be picking up. There, there's you know new brand launches going on there. Um, the extended stay sector, I think, will continue its uh, its rise, um, and we'll see uh, quite a bit of activity there. I think. Um, during the pandemic, when a lot of hotels couldn't trade, extended stay guys and the service departments stayed open and they uh, managed to pick up what little leisure travel was going on in bits and pieces then. And I think the people who did use them really liked them and will continue using them. Um, mid-range is going to be difficult, I think. So, yeah, it's a, either end of the market, I think, will be going gangbusters um, and the middle will struggle. Service departments, um, I, I think, will do really well. I think there's still a huge 
lack of supply, um, you know, compared with demand. So I think I think that will do really well. But um, as Catherine mentioned, we seem to be living in a weird parallel universe where if you watch the news every day, it's all doom and gloom. There's recession imminent. Everyone's, um, you know, <clears throat> really struggling as the costs of practically everything are going up. Yet hotel demand is absolutely flying, um, especially at the top end. It doesn't doesn't all seem to make sense. But um, people in the hotel sector I talk to are pretty bullish. You know, they're, 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 they're really confident. Um, Obviously, the transaction market in the hotel sector has been slow, but that's picking up. I think I think later in the year, when things settle down a bit in terms of where interest rates are going to stay for a bit rather than being volatile, um, and I think inflation will probably um, you know be checked back a bit, and, and uh, it certainly won't be rising as fast as it has been. I think once people get their heads around what the kind of financial environment is going to be, a bit of stability i think the transaction market will pick up really quickly um i think the whole sustainability and esg piece is going to start p- playing a big part in that market because i think the desirability of assets is going to be very much linked to either their uh, discount the discount that you can get on them based on their poor environmental performance or the premium that people will pay for one that has got good performance Oh, I hadn't considered a, a kind of a discount for staying somewhere that's destroying the planet. That's, <laughs> I don't know if that will translate down to rates. But, you didn't, um, uh, you didn't, that's not how they're going to market it. Um, it has a certain kind of dystopian appeal. Uh, might get so attract some climate change deniers. But um, there's an awful lot of money, um, especially private equity money, uh, sitting on its hands, as I heard somebody describing it the other day. You know, it's got to be spent somewhere eventually. Um, and uh, you know, and I think hotels will, will will have a big role to play in that. Other things that I think will happen in the year ahead, I think the uh, going back to to to, to Accor, I think the the sort of conveyor belt of of brand launches from the major hotel groups doesn't seem to show any signs of slowing. Is there going to be another Accor brand launch at the end of this week? Yes, there there is, there's going to be another one. Yeah, there's a thing they've, oh, got press, they've, got, they've got a press conference tomorrow to announce it. I better not say any more than that. Um, because uh, it's all. Is it? Can you can you say whether it's going to be higher or lower? <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't because I don't know because it's all embargoed. But I just know that there is going to be one. Um, and of course, last week we saw Hilton launch Spark, another economy brand. So yeah, uh, I wasn't um, sure about that. We're not, we're not even at the end of January yet, and, and we'll have seen two, well, three uh, new launches if you if you count both the Echo ones. So um, there's a lot of that happening. Yeah, and a, and a first for Hilton, of course, uh, going down, down low. Uh, yes, the, the chatter on, on Twitter and amongst other people seemed to be that it looked a bit questionable, but it did, and it did serve to make other economy brands look better. So there was that. It was positive for the sector on that front, we thought. So, yes, it seemed to be lots of, lots of chipboard featured. But, um, but as we've noticed, while, while everyone else is very rich, those of us who aren't astonishingly wealthy do need to stay somewhere. So, and yeah, uh, I, I, I feel a bit hard done by actually because I'm. I certainly I'm, feel I'm a bit not wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. But there seem to be a huge number of people out there who are, who are, including the 250 million people in China who haven't been able to go anywhere for the last few years, who are apparently chomping at the bit and are, are going to be um, rampaging all over the world on a 
and a travel bonanza, which has got hoteliers rubbing their hands together in glee. 250 million. Excellent. So does that mean we're going to see the return of all these China-focused brands, such as everyone was super into, weren't they, about five years ago? You couldn't move people going, oh, I must have a specialist China brand. I think we probably will, yeah. I think we will. Assuming that the the kind of lifting of restrictions over there is Mm. um, not a temporary thing. I mean, it's hard to say. It's not the most predictable place in the world. Once once the, the cats are out of the bag, I think. Yeah, so that's yes. that, you know that's that's going to be an interesting one. That's a that's going to have an effect across you know the hotel sector worldwide. I should think. Yes, yes, again, I'm not the target audience. I, I guess the other thing about about this year is um, you know having heightened demand and being excited about the year is all well and good, but if you can't get the staff to man your hotels, then then you're in a spot of bother. And I think. Um, uh, wages are going to have to go up, you know. People are going to have to be realistic about what the, their staff are worth because if you haven't got contented staff running your hotels well, um, your hotel isn't going to be very good at the end of the day. It's as simple as that. No, no. Mind you, I guess and it encourages things like the launch of Spark, doesn't it, which I can't imagine is overstaffed. No. Well, yeah, this is, I guess, one of the drivers behind, behind the economy thing and you have got that demographic who are several generations younger than me who don't want to talk to anyone ever they want to do everything on their phones um the the, the tech thing is another another element altogether isn't it i'm not i'm not opposed to not talking to anyone it depends on when i talk to people in hotels whether they're going to say stupid things to me or not so i'm <laughs> i'm open for a conversation at check-in i'm not open to being told that i'm going to steal from the room and so can i have your credit card or other stupid things like the stupid things that you get when you're checking in. I can live without all of that. So like whether you know that you're going to want breakfast in three days time, that's a good one. Yes. Yes. And any of the, you know, obvious can I questions. I'm just trying to think back to when I checked into a hotel and somebody asked me something interesting. Whilst you ponder that, because <laughs> <laughs> uh... it may be a while. Um, George, we're curious to hear about the plans for the business, um, the business being uh, the, the whole business, international hospitality media for the year. Um, you're, you're, you were a content platform originally, but you've, we've seen increasing events from you. What's the plan? And uh, new hires recently. What's the plan for all of that for this year? Yeah, we're quite excited about this year. We, as you say, we, we hired um, uh, a girl called Steph, who's joining us on, on the sales side last week. I think she's done our first deal already which is fantastic hey, well done, um, yeah. and i've got a new reporter joining me uh, tomorrow isha who's joining our editorial department tomorrow so um yeah we're, we're quite quite uh, looking forward to, to the year really um events is an interesting space at the moment it's it, people seem to be very very stretched and unless you're an ihif or a mipim getting them away from their desk whether the desk be in their office or at home um, for a full day or two days or whatever is increasingly difficult. So um, we think there's a sweet spot of half-day events, and we'll be doing more of those because I think people are quite comfortable to come out for those and then go back to the office for, for, the, for the rest of the day. You can pack quite a lot of content and, and networking in a half-day event if you program it right. Um, we've, we've done a few towards the end of this year, and they've, they've been really well received. So there'll be more of that. Um, the digital side of things, which um, was really launched in response to the pandemic and the lack of ability to actually do live events, has become very important. Um, 
you know, my team has become really good at delivering webinars. I think Eloise and Paul have done a great job. Um, I've hosted over 100, would you believe, since we started in May 2020. Um, I really enjoy doing those. They've been really useful. They've, they've enabled us to uh, grow our audience quite a bit and reach people that we wouldn't have done otherwise. Um, podcasts, we're going to up the, the, um, the frequency and, and um, play around a bit with the format of our podcast this year. So the digital offer is every bit as important as the, 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 the live offer. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's going to be quite a big year for us. Good. Well, I'm pleased to hear it. I'm curious when you so you mentioned this sort of drive to online during the pandemic because that's all there was. Um, something that we noticed was, was the um, the also the awareness of folks to realise that they could do these things themselves uh, and they didn't need a platform. So I'm talking sort of the, from the client facing point of view, they didn't necessarily need a platform. Have you found that to be true? And how have you tried to counter that uh, as a persuasive argument for them to be? To join your to utilize your platform for their event needs i think i think people are aware that that if they do it themselves there's a danger of it becoming too much about self-promotion and um and you know not addressing chunky enough industry issues that will draw an audience um and without trying to sound immodest i think we've become pretty good at doing them you know we've got our f- formats down quite well we've got the reach um, and I still think, you know, it's a bit like the old advertorial thing in, in, in written content, unless it's done very, very well, uh, which, it, and it, and it can work, unless, but, but unless it is addressing something that people are really interested to hear or read about, rather than somebody just blowing their own trumpet, it, it's, um, it's difficult to generate an audience for that. Um, you know, we've got the audience, we've got the know-how to do it, um, and I think um, the companies who work with us, are, 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 they realise that, that you know decent discussions about about relevant industry issues are much more engaging for everybody than them talking about their new widget. Essentially, definitely couldn't agree more. Um, how has the industry? Uh, how sorry? How has the media landscape changed over the last insert time period here? Um, Obviously, we have a slight, we must declare a slight professional interest here in understanding what it is that you're interested in in terms of news stories, <laughs> uh, editorial, comment pieces. But it's um, astonishing, <laughs> yeah, as astonishing as it may be to learn, there are other people out there who also provide content. So one hopes that this might be an interesting conversation or an interesting response for more than just the two of us. What are you looking for? Yeah, well, our focus for this year is to generate more unique content that you can't find anywhere else. You know, there are a lot of places where you can get your news these days. Um, so that's our, that's our main focus. Um, I, I guess one thing that's made life quite difficult for us is that quite a few people seem to have um, abandoned using a PR company, which is a terrible idea in my view, and just, and just taken to posting company news on LinkedIn. Um, and it's impossible, it's impossible to monitor all that, you know, unless you've got somebody 24 hours a day looking at LinkedIn for company news, then you're invariably going to miss it. Um, all those companies are doomed. Let me tell you, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, would, I would, I would say they were misguided, um, because, um, and I'm not just saying this cause I'm on your podcast, but a good PR company 
you know, is worth its weight in gold because A, they get to know the media outlets they deal with and they understand what they want and they won't offer you, you know, a load of irrelevant dross and then phone you up three times a day to say, did you get that press release which wasn't relevant to you in the first place, which, you know, still, still does happen. Um, but, um, yeah, so that, that that's made life a bit tricky, keep, keeping across LinkedIn. Um, but, you know, I, the, the good thing is that most of us are still here, you know, after a, after a really tough few years. Most of the main media players are still here. We've all had our ups and downs. We only actually lost one member of staff over the pandemic, and that was because she was the only member of the team who was on furlough, and she was she was – a bit bored and she wanted to be working and she went and got another job it wasn't because we had to let her go so we're really pleased you know and proud that we managed to do that and find a way to keep going and keep our audiences engaged um yeah i guess the main the main change in in in, in the media landscape for us is is the the rise in importance of, of the digital offer um and when i say digital i don't mean the written stuff on the websites i mean the, the podcasts and the webinars and so on yeah, there's a full spectrum of uh, communication bits and bobs in your in your toolkit. And thank you very much for declaring how tremendously important a good PR firm is. I just like we that we are a good PR firm in case there was any doubt as to where a, a bad PR firm can can balls things up quite terribly as well. So be careful when you choose your PR company, people, because you know um, a bad PR person can annoy and antagonize an editor in a very short time. So, uh, you know, do yes, your research. Yes, I remember the, the Centre Parks, wasn't it? The Centre Parks debacle when they were telling people to to stay in or they were going to lock them in or something, and that wasn't an appealing holiday prospect for a lot of people. Um, some people it would be, of course, but that's a specialist market. So... <laughs> I also think you're trusting, but not that much. You're trusting as a PR, you are being trusted with the messages from that organisation, and that's pretty important because if you start cocking up those messages, um, then the whole thing starts to unravel pretty quickly. Um, So, yeah, not only are are they likely to piss off editorial staff, but they also may damage reputation. As back to, I can't remember the poor lass from Centre Parts' name now, but anyway. One assumes she's been released to industry. Um, right. Um, we must hang on. What's the time? Because we're hurtling towards this. Uh, oh yes, twenty six minutes. Marvelous. Um, so I can't. We can't not mention the, the the fate of the aquarium at the Radisson in Berlin, since we've all enjoyed many many a uh, uh, hospitality event there. Um, how did you respond when you heard the news? Hospitality events. <laughs> I was. Um... I was actually very sad. I, th- I thought the whole thing was quite depressing. Um, a for the fish. B, I was, I was, I was worried that the, um, the cleaner wasn't in there at the time because I know they have to have a scuba diver in there re- on a regular basis to clean. Um, and it must have made a hell of a mess, mustn't it? I mean, it's a big old thing. Yeah, can't have smelled great either. Well, not by day two, no, but. Um, yeah, it's very sad. I like I like that hotel, and as you say, we've had some some uh, some fun nights in there. It, it prompted me to um, go through some uh, an old phone that I had at the time and drag out the video. Do you remember the um, the African themed party there with all the yes. singers on the belt? Yes, I've still got a bracelet somewhere. 
that was um that was yeah that was very good no it, it was yeah it was sad wasn't it it was sad because i kind of have good memories of of, of that place and it and, and and you know it makes you think well maybe hotels won't do interesting receptions like having giant ridiculously outsized fish tanks anymore there is that it makes you wonder if if the guys in the um sent a shudder down the Burj Al Arab reception staff because because theirs is even bigger, I think. <laughs> yes, presumably you start phoning up your structural engineers. Does anyone know if they're going to rebuild it? I have no idea. I'd like to think they would. Well, I'm not sure. Well, we would. I would. We should report. We should report back. We should I'd be very concerned if I worked at that reception a lot. Be standing into hear the occasional creak because there must have been a, a preliminary creak, mustn't there? They might need to up the yeah. level of PPE for the reception staff. Yeah, wear scuba gear. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yeah, it's not. Once again, we go back to having to increase uh, increase the wages for your staff. I imagine quite <laughs> quite significantly in that environment. And Kevlar uniforms. Yes, but again, it's a look defining. Yes, yeah, niche. You see, very memorable. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to hear what this new Apple brand's going to be. <laughs> Aquarium themed, maybe. Um, so we want to we're sort of hurtling towards the end and we and we ask guests the same some questions at the end of the podcast. Um starting with and this we may well have just answered this, your most memorable hotel experience. Ah, uh, this one well, this, <laughs> this one is very, very easy and I have got a big smile on my face just thinking about it. I was on a press trip to Split in Croatia in the early two thousands. Um with with uh, a photographer and um it was in november i think so it was out of season the weather was terrible the palm trees along the promenade in split were, were almost touching the floor the wind the wind was blowing them so strong and they put us up in um a fairly unloved soviet era hotel which still had um bullet holes on the external facades from from, from the war and we were the only people staying there. And um, the photographer I was with, um, I knew quite well, and he had a similar sense of humour to me, luckily, because <laughs> it was quite a surreal trip. And the first morning there, we went down for breakfast. And I think they were using an enormous old ballroom um, as the breakfast room. It was huge. It had a, a, a shiny wooden floor. We were the only people there. They sat us in the in one corner, furthest corner away from the kitchen. There was only one waiter working. He was at least in his 80s. He wasn't the sprightliest. And he um, he had a little trolley with a squeaky wheel that he, that he wheeled everywhere. He didn't speak very good English. He kept forgetting things on our order. So we had to keep sending him back to the kitchen. And it was taking him at least five minutes every time to get there. With the constant squeak of the of the unoiled wheel on his trolley, uh, breakfast took well over an hour when it should only have taken twenty minutes. But I don't think I've ever laughed so much in one hour in my entire life. It was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> That's much better than than the stories that we often get on here, all of which are valid, and we're happy to hear them um, about you know. And then I had this wonderful time being smeared on my honeymoon, rare caviar in my face, and you know, blah blah blah. I just have to think. I just have to think of that, and uh, I've definitely got. To, yeah, it brings a smile to my face. It, it, it makes me laugh. It was very. It was very, very good. Not in the way they probably the tourist board intended, but it was very good indeed. The best thing about the sector is 
Um, it's how countless people in the sector can really transform your day for the better. Um, this anecdote is going to make me sound extremely old, but sod it, I'm going to go ahead with it anyway. Um, my wife and I were at the local garden centre recently. Very good. <laughs> I was stocking up on... That, uh, that, I thought that was the anecdote, no? <laughs> <laughs> I was stocking up on seed for the bird feeders and things, as you do, um, and there's a little cafe in there. We decided to go and get some breakfast, and in the first instance, we were served by a very surly young late teenage young man who clearly didn't want to be there um, um the garden centers haven't changed wasn't a good start to the experience but then he was he was usurped by a really really lovely friendly lady who clearly enjoyed her job and she just effortlessly transformed the experience uh and it was you know we weren't in there for very long but as we were walking up, we both said, gosh, she was good, wasn't she? She was really good. In fact, I said to my wife, if I ran a restaurant or a hotel around there, I'd, I'd be poaching her, definitely. She was brilliant. And it just, yeah, just the way someone can tr- uh, transform uh, an experience and, and, you know, bring a, bring a bit of, um, bring a smile to your face and a bit of an enjoyment to your day. It is. It's a gift. It's an absolute gift. Yeah. And not many people have it. And, and the people who do have it should be valued. I mean, I guess um, this comes on to your next your next question well what, how could the sector be significantly improved and i think it's the way that we view the people who work in it in this country it's it's not it's not on it's really not on you know it's working in a high pressure environment with long hours being able to maintain a friendly face be helpful uh, it's not an easy job i couldn't do it um and the people who can need to be respected more for it and rewarded more for it you know, as they do in Europe, you know, the status of a of a GM or a major deal or whatever in Europe is, it, it, you know, it's quite high, but it isn't here. And, and that's wrong. It should be. Absolutely. We've had, talk, we've had that conversation many a time, haven't we? How the, yeah, the, the yeah. role. You're in France. People are happy if your daughter starts dating a waiter and not just the discounts. <laughs> what the industry needs now is. Um, I, I guess another brand I, from Accor. Guess, <laughs> well, they're going to get that anyway, yeah. so uh, we're, we're all right on that score. I guess um, the, you know, in this country, more certainty regarding energy bills and what's going to happen in April when that cuts off, because um, I think there are a lot of hotels who have surprised themselves how well they've done in the last couple of years, particularly the ones in resort destinations. Um, you know, they've, they've had a blinding year because people haven't really travelled abroad um, but I think even they are going to struggle if they can't get a handle on, on where the energy prices are going and the, it just seems to be fairly vague noises coming from government about how it is all going to work and who's going to be eligible for what and so on so I think a bit of certainty so they can budget for the year and, and, and see where they're at I guess that would be the main thing. Yeah we still keep an eye on the I used to cover the restaurant pub and restaurant sector and I still keep an eye on it and only, I think, this week, I think Revolution Bars said that they were going to be shuttering for, I think, January and February or much of January and February. And that's something that we're seeing a lot now across restaurants not opening. It's like, you know, I know that Brexit was meant to take us back to the 1970s, whatever it is, but it really is. And the pubs are closing during the day and all those things. And it's something that's less available to the hotel sector, obviously, but it's still 
something that, uh, that people seem to be considering. And oh, there, are, there are a lot of strikes going on. Um, a lot of people are working a three to three. We are on our way back to the 1970s in some respects. It's just magical. It is. It is. I would start making my own bread, only it would be terrible. So we won't be doing that. I've got a lot of candles, though. And, and high-strength medication, should anyone require you're to get them through these dreams. <laughs> it's the only way. It's the only way. This is what's different from the 70s, I think. When it's, oh, it wasn't everyone like doing loads of speed in the seventies, like housewives. Yeah, because they had to sort of they had to get through all these dark times. Yes. So yeah, that's the message. Well, maybe musical improvement. Who can say? It's following a trend. Thank you, George. And finally, I'd like to think we've learned from this, and I assume that was, was referring to the pandemic. Is that how you inferred that question? It was. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope so because that's that's what my uh, answer is based around. I, I guess. Um, what we've learned is is what a resilient industry we're in, you know, across the board. You know, mo- most hotels have found a way to keep going. Some some haven't managed to, but the majority have. Um, and, you know, the broader infrastructure associated with the sector, you know, you and me, we're still here. We're still going for it. So <laughs> we, and, and we need, you know, we need the industry that we work in to to be flourishing and we're all still here so um yeah i think i think we're working in a, in a resilient sector with a lot of great people in it here here and so say all of us marvelous it's all true it's all true george that was delightful thank you so much you. for sharing your insights your thoughts your apologies for the upland um, interlude earlier no no that's absolutely fine Many thanks to Catherine for you to joining us. Um, Do you, Emily? Do you what now? Do rearrange those words into some sort of, uh, you know, sensible sensible sentence. Um, Thank thank you for listening. Um, And if you you would be so kind as to like and share and subscribe on the various places that you are uh, able to get this podcast, then that would be much appreciated, I assume. That's what other people who host podcasts say, so I feel like it's a... It's a relevant comment to make. And do join us again next time for another episode of New Tricks. Goodbye. Bye-bye. So that concludes our thoughts for this week. Thank you to everyone involved in creating this episode and providing something for your ears whilst walking the dog, washing the cat, chopping the veg, or however else you pass the time while podcasting. Please do review and subscribe if you get your ear entertainment via Apple or follow New Tricks if your ear delight comes from Spotify. These things make a difference, apparently. Until next time.